Welcome to the Quality of Mind Transforming Business Podcast, where we explore the game-changing understanding that can unlock new levels of performance and well-being in the workplace. If you want to be part of the new breed of leaders in business, if you're fed up with the conventional echo chamber, and if you want to be part of a revolution in human potential, then join us to discover the powerful resource that lives before our psychology Hello and welcome to the Quality of Mind Transforming Business podcast series. And in today's episode, we've got what I believe is a really relevant conversation lined up. And my guest is Dr. Amy Johnson, who's actually been on the show before. And I love what she does. I think she's a great articulator uh, of this understanding. And she's also got a new book coming out, but more of that to come later. Amy, here we are. You and I decided it might be an idea to have a really great conversation about something that's been occurring to both of us in parallel, probably over the last few years. And we were swapping notes on what to talk about for a new podcast episode. And both you and I came up with sort of a similar direction. So, so listeners, what we wanted to do was to take you through how Amy and I have been noticing over the last few years, our transition and integration of how we work with people in the, let's call it the psychological space and how that's been moving towards more what you might call the spiritual space. Now, bear in mind, they are just two words, psychology and spiritual, which people might already be jumping to conclusions about. But what we want to try and do is, is, is bring this alive, firstly via our own little journeys, and then talk about some of the richness of this, some of the nuance of it. And I guess most important for people listening, the relevance and what's on offer behind this shift, I suppose. So that's what the conversation is going to be about. How's that, how's that sound, Amy? I love this topic. And I think, like you mentioned, Pierce, like it's something that's been on my mind a lot that I think like it's going to be so valuable to just talk about it because there's so, so many, I don't know, I hear a lot of people think it's kind of got to be one or the other. Like, oh, or, or people will say, and maybe you hear this too, like, oh, you've become more spiritual or, you know, they think they're getting into one thing and then they kind of see it has a little bit of the other as if they're these two separate things. So I think this is so important to talk about. Yeah. And what's, what's even more crystallizing this is that you've got a new book coming out or it may be out depending on when you're listening to this. And I think having had a sneak preview of your wonderful new book, I think it does a great job of, of going to be pointing people in the direction that we're going to be t- talking to as well. So um, if this podcast doesn't make sense, Amy's already written a book about it. So so, so there we go. <laughs> Hopefully between this conversation and the book, something will make sense. Yeah, exactly. So um, Amy, do you want to start with a little bit about your, just a, a, a synopsis of people or a summary on where you've come from and where you're heading? And then I can do the same and, and that might ground it for people a little bit. Yeah, I guess. Um, it's interesting. I mean, the evolution of things has been, for me, it's been just sort of really, really natural. And just kind of like when I coach people and probably when you do as well, it's it's like just a matter of the more that I see, the more that something broader just makes sense. So it's it's never been a decision of like early on, like, oh, I'm, I mean, maybe early on it kind of was because all I knew was the psychology side of things, really. But it was like, oh, I'm a psychologist. I'm going to deal in, in thoughts and feelings and content. There was some of that early on, even though I, I knew there was um, more to life. I knew there was the spiritual realm. But I guess for me at that point, um, 
psychology was something that was studyable. Spirituality was something that uh, I was interested in. I really have been for a very long time, but it kind of just felt different. It felt like, like, oh, this feels nice. This is nice to read about. Like I would read things like, you know, A Course in Miracles and all of that in my early 20s. And it, and it just sort of looked like maybe this will help me personally, maybe, um, or this just feels good. This is interesting stuff. But it, 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 for me, it didn't, I don't know what it lacked exactly, but it felt different, very different from psychology. Psychology was tangible. It was scientific. We could study it. We could talk about it. And maybe a big piece of it too was that the rest of the world, from my view, the world that that happened in my head, <laughs> how I saw the rest of the world, they were behind psychology. Like this was a thing I could do, you know, and help people with. And the spirituality stuff just didn't look that way. So I think for me early on, that was, a, it, it definitely felt a little more, you know, one or the other. They felt kind of separate. Um, and, and there was no decision for that to change, but I, I guess just naturally over the past, what, uh, 16, 17 years or so, um, they just don't look separate anymore. So in a really broad way, I guess, yeah, it's just started to look more like they're just different ends and different ways of talking about things, but there is no separation the way it, it maybe used to look. Mm, yes, absolutely. And, and I think I could relate to that because to me, spirituality was something you might do on a Sunday afternoon, right? You know, it's always a nice thing to do, uh, maybe get into nature, have a bit of spirituality as if it was like something you just turned on and off. Uh, and, but working with the psychology was where you get the real benefit. So I was quite practical, quite tangible. I often work with people in the workplace and business. Um, and they didn't have time to mess around with that kind of conversation about the intangibles because I didn't really see the connection. And like you said, between the two of them, I thought they were kind of, uh, you know, Yes, there is that stuff, but it's not really relevant. It's nice for an experience. Like you might nice, might go for a nice meal. I didn't yeah. think it had anything to do with your ne the day tomorrow kind of thing. So, and I was sort of, I guess I was in my first, you know, I started getting into coaching in 2000 and it wasn't until probably 2008, 9, 10 that I started to see that there might be, they might have something to do with each other. And then two or three years later, I was like, oh no, they definitely do. <laughs> they are the same thing. And then I realized actually to leverage, if you want to call it leverage our psychology or to get the best out of it, you couldn't do that without a foundational realization about what the spiritual nature of us is. So, so that, that was my sort of journey and it sort of dawned on me over time. And I suppose what you and I do now is try and help demystify that for people because once you see it, it really is quite simple. It's not always easy, but it's really quite simple. But if you don't see it, it isn't, yeah. um, which is, so there you go. Why do you think, why do you think they looked so different and separate at one point? And I think they do for a lot of people. I mean, we have very similar stories, but I don't think we're, it's just us. I don't know. Do you think that's a, a, a matter of just uh, how we're conditioned. I mean, just yeah. we're just taught that they're different and we're tr we treat them different and we see what we expect to see until we see more. Or what do you think? Well, definitely. And, and particularly in the Western world, you know, in Europe and the States, you know, and, and, and that kind of thing. I think in some cultures they are less different. So, yeah. maybe, you know, um, maybe in Asia they're a little different. But for me, you know, what I was, 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 was 
a brain and, and matter and material and atoms and molecules, this slightly difficult to describe, ineffable, intangible, spiritual stuff, I actually thought was more in the religious thing. I, I actually used to put spirituality and religion in the same camp. And now I think they're miles apart, although I can see their origins, of course. So I think it's purely conditioning and compounded by the fact that we live in a society that's trying to make ourselves better, but in a tangible way. And the biggest thing to leverage tangibly is the psychology. Yeah, I agree. It's funny that I was thinking about that before we started talking and I, I was just jotting some things down and I wrote down religion and science. So it's like we, we think that spirituality feels like religion. It feels too much in that camp, I think, for a lot of people. And so it's just kind of put over there. And as you said, and we can talk about this more, like now they don't look at all the same to me, not at all. Um, but yeah, we also have been conditioned to like love things that we can study and levers we can pull and things we can see. Like if I do this, that happens, you know, we want to see the results of everything and measure everything we can possibly measure in life. And, and the spirituality, it just doesn't fall in that camp. And so, yeah, it, it makes sense kind of when I look back at it like that, like why it just looked so different and separate. And I think, you know, part of that conditioning is if you think about the messaging we give children and schools give children, it's very much that you are, uh, you know, master of your own destiny to some extent. And, you know, you need to work hard, study hard, get the right exams, get the right thing. And nowhere in that are we told that there's something that can put the wind in ourselves behind that. You know, it's, it's I would use a metaphor that's more rowing than sailing, you know. And when, when, and it's told that like you are in charge of, you know, how well you do in life. Right. And I think all we understand of that as kids is psychology. Now kids, funnily enough, paradoxically are much closer to their spiritual essence than we are as adults, but they get that drummed out of them. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's, I can see it happening. It's kind of, now I can see it. I didn't before. They are, that they actually see it a lot more than adults do, but it gets taken out of them. Nowhere is it talked about, you know, um, the kind of work we do at schools. It's just not talked about. The opposite's talked about. So that's what yeah. your conditioning brings you up to see. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And to the point to where it feels almost like you're saying, um, it's not even there, but even once it's introduced, it's like, oh, well, that's fine. Like you can see now how the progression would go, where once someone gets on to the, the spirituality, whatever that is, or the fact that there's maybe something more to life than what we can see and measure, by that point, it's been so drummed into their head that you're in charge and you need to do the right things and have the right life, that of course that's relegated to like a Sunday afternoon. You know, you can, you can really kind of see, oh, okay, well, that's great. Maybe that'll help in some intangible way, but I'm still going to double down on the psychology. Yes, exactly. So it becomes a bit player in a way, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, now I'm thinking, do we need to try and, <laughs> I'm not sure we're setting ourselves up for a fall here, define what we mean by spirituality here? Because it's a big old word that people have lots of meaning about. So if we were to, when we're saying we've moved from a more psychological seeing to more spiritual what what exactly are we talking about yeah good question <laughs> i don't know <laughs> i i guess um yeah i guess for me i mean it, it's 
the psychological, the way I think about it anyway, is psychological is, is all of this stuff that has labels and words. Now, it's still not maybe quite so tangible. I mean, a thought and a feeling are not exactly tangible, but they're maybe more tangible than love or energy or, or intelligence or something like that, right? So all of these are just words and really none of them are all that. You can't really hold them. But, um, but yeah, in that psychological realm, it's like, what do you think? What do you feel? What do you do? And, and then once we can see those to some degree, those supposedly mean something about the kind of person we are like that. And, and it's, and the psychology, I think, feels it's very much in the content. It's like when you can answer all those questions, what do you think, feel, do with a bunch more words? And it's, you know, it's very contenty, very content heavy, whereas the spirituality is, is, you know, I don't, again, I don't know, but it's almost like, yeah, like you said, there's there's something else going on here. There's, there's wind in our sails. Like we, we speak about it in metaphor because we, because we know that the words are so horribly ill-equipped to, to really help. They can only point. And, and, and so it's just, it, it feels bigger and, and fuzzier. Yeah. And I, I would definitely agree to you that as soon as we conceptualize something or thingify it or can label it or can put form to it, it's already psychological. It's already been cooked by the system, if you like, it's already been produced. But I think the other aspect of it is, it's not another aspect, just a different way of seeing it, is this, I think I'd probably describe it as how our conditioning has led us to have a mistaken identity about what we are, right? So I've been brought up to think that I am me, a person, a body-mind um, with a brain um, that sees this thing called an outside world and through my senses, my eyes and my ears and my taste and smell and touch, you know, I interpret this outside world thing, right? And the, and the, the locus is me, right? And I am a bunch of atoms and molecules and maybe some quarks and nanos if you go down a bit smaller, right? And the big shift for me, I think, was recognizing that's not what I am. And it's produced by the system that I then call me, but that's not actually at my essence what i am yeah i am pre i am the thing that's pre that or we might call it consciousness you know i'm universal consciousness i'm a localization of universal consciousness um which produces all these thoughts feelings perceptions sensations which one of those is oh you're a you peers which can have thoughts and feelings right so i think it it takes it back to what you think you are which is which can get into philosophy as well, I suppose, if you want to, but I try and keep it out of there because it's, it's vague enough with spiritualness, but it, it's kind of, well, what do you think you truly are? What is your sense of being? What is it? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I love how you said that, like how even our sense is in the psychological realm, for sure, our sense of who we are is really just an effect of our psychology it's a, or, or, or an effect of our biology even. You know, it's, it's, it's something that is a creation. So is that what we are? Is a creation, you know, like, like I love just thinking of this whole thing of, of, like you said, this whole idea of me, who and what we think we are is simply a process that psychology kind of spits out or that our, yeah. you know, that our humanness kind of spits out. It's just an effect of that. 
Yeah, it's it's yeah. it's an idea, isn't that? Yeah. To an entity, it's not an entity because I think we were taught that we were an entity, we are a thing, yeah, that can then produce more things, and yeah. to see that we are a moment-to-moment activity, which yeah, and psychology is a name we give to the spewing out of thoughts, feelings, sensations, and perceptions, right? But actually, we're not. That isn't actually what we are, right? And and then you get into the sort of slight mind twister of, well, I can't be the thing I'm aware of, right? Because if, if and there should be a new word, awaring, I think, because if, if you're like, if, if I can be aware of Piers and you can be aware of Amy, then I can't be Piers and you can't be Amy because yeah. there's something pre, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, ooh, yeah. In um in the book, I don't know if you get to this part, but there's a chapter on uh, object or process. So are yeah. you an object or a process? And that was huge for me. It's kind of what you're saying right now. Like we think we're an object and we've, we've been taught that we're an object. And, and this object can, like you mentioned earlier, can be bettered, can be improved upon. It can, it can make things happen in life, right? But we are the solid object. But to really step back and see, no, there is no there, there. There is no solidity the way our mind will tell us. Now, a mind, a brain will create an object out of everything. Like you said, it will thingify everything. It's very, very easy to walk through the world and see almost 8 billion objects that are people, you know. But, but that's, again, that's just what a brain does. Because it's always objectifying things and thingifying things. But but we are a process. I mean, and again, we even now the words you start getting in these rabbit holes with the words, but this what we really are, yes, is this ongoing, always updating, always moving kind of process of of life, of of energy, of life, of of consciousness, whatever we want to call it. And I just think there's something in that that, yes, might make people's heads want to explode. And it might sometimes, you might sometimes hear this and think, ooh, I don't like that. I like being me and I like you being you. Like people are going to have all kinds of reactions to that. And I'm sure we both have along, along the way as well. But there's so much freedom in that too. There's so much like, oh my gosh, okay, so I'm not that. And these things aren't me and mine. And just to feel the fluidity and the constant update of, of who we think we are, how it's always changing and updating, it really starts to change how we think about psychology. Because again, like, uh, like if we want to go and talk about psychology, oh, or, or do you have depression? Do you have PTSD? Do you have a habit or an addiction? Well, if you're a process, how do you have any of those things? How are you? You can't be or have any of those if you're a process. That, that's so nicely put, I think, that, um, and that's the foundational, one of the biggest shifts people can have, isn't it? When they realize that all the things they thought they were, which were, as you, as you say, properties of a them, are just activities or processes. That's so freeing, right? And, and then you start to see that we're only ever, you know, we're only ever in a limitation of our of, of what's available, but a useful limitation because we have to navigate the world. But it but it's only ever a limitation, so there's always more available, and that we realise what is occurring from our psychology, what it looks like is going on in our internal or external minds, 
is the way I sometimes describe it is it's real, but never true. Right. So it's very vivid. It's very animated. Yeah. It's very sensational, but it's not true, true. Cause it's not existing outside of a moment to moment processing. And there's something very, very freeing about that. And also it means you don't have to. So the way we used to deal with our psychologies, the, the tools and the techniques and the strategies that you and I might've given our clients 10, 15 years ago were to deal with something fixed in psychology. Yeah. Now, if you see that psychology isn't anything fixed, right? right. You don't need to deal with it in the same way. Yeah. 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 And I think, I mean, just look at what that, okay. So that's a great, what you just said. If we see that it's fixed, we don't have to deal with it in the same way. Now, here's something I hear people do sometimes um, is kind of take that really extreme and say, okay, fine. Well, then if there's no me and there's no psychology and nothing is fixed, then who cares? What's the point? Don't talk. Why are we talking about it? We shouldn't, I've even heard at times, we shouldn't be talking about it. It's misleading to talk about it because it's not fixed. And I think that's a little bit crazy. Like, like we, do you know what I mean? Like why, why would anything be off the table to talk about and explore first of all? And in, it's just like, we can just know that it isn't fixed. And yes, we don't have to camp out in content. You and I are not coaching at all the same way we were 10, 15 years ago, but we also aren't going to like put our fingers in our ears and say, blah, blah, blah. When somebody's telling us something real that happened in their life. And, you know, like, I just think there's room for all of it. We're just looking at it along this spectrum. Well, I think this is such a good point because I think this is why the transition that you and I have been through is so beautifully helpful. And, I, and in a way, I'm kind of glad I wasn't hyper enlightened at a very early age, right? I, I was actually because I was a tiny baby. So we all were, but you know what I mean? <laughs> but, but I've gone the indirect path. Now, I don't teach the, direct, the indirect path now, but because there's, okay, let me just stop rambling on that. But I think this, what I'm trying to say is that there's something very relevant about how the world turns up to us in our psychology. It's where the rubber hits the road and we are not trying to bypass, dismiss or go or just say, once you see, you will realize that's not there for people, you know, because it's really unhelpful. And talking about someone's psychology, knowing that it's a process, not a, not an entity is like why we can talk about how much we enjoy a great book or movie mm -hmm. and how, how we cried at it. Not because you shouldn't cry at something that's made up, but you know what it's made of, right? So you can still enjoy it and love it and realize that's what you you know, all those emotions and sensations were real, but there's no background power to them. That's the so. perfect comparison. Yeah. Like we don't walk around saying, oh, get over it. Why are you wasting your time on books and movies? You know, we can fully dive into them and really enjoy them and really feel them because we know what they're made of. That's exactly it. So yeah. So why would we have to shun our thoughts and feelings or think, oh, I should know better, or I shouldn't be feeling this, or I shouldn't have to revisit the past, or I shouldn't, you know, all the shoulds around that. It just doesn't make sense. It's, yeah. So I, I, so I think, you know, what I do with organizations and people is 
I'm definitely not, I wouldn't call myself a, a pure non-dual teacher. I just stop at the spiritual bit and never go into psychology. It's almost bridging for people the relevance of this, what might seem like abstract, woo-woo, very profound stuff with what happens day to day when you get an email from your boss or when your kids do your head in, right? It's, yeah. it's being able to go, can you see that turning up right there in a very practical way? You know, yeah. so it's both, it's the bridge. And I think that's where the power is. I mean, in, in, Hey, we might, we might talk in 10 years from now and have totally different perspectives on this, but right now from where I sit today, I mean, that looks so powerful that we can relate to people on a human to human level. And yes, talk about the everyday human stuff, but be that bridge that helps them. I call that zooming out. And when I train mm. coaches, we talk about zooming in and zooming out. So a client comes to you and says, my marriage is ending. You don't tell them that there's no you and there's no them. So, so get over it. <laughs> like you talk about the problem, right? You talk about how they're, you jump into their perspective a little bit and you're with them in their perspective of things. And then you have this bigger vision as the coach or as person who's seen something that you can help slowly zoom them out, which is, I think, what you're saying about just being that bridge. Yeah. Now, here's an interesting question for you, because I've noticed this, and for me, is that compared to even two, three years, years ago, I make less, how do I describe it? I'm more direct path and more and less concessions than I used to. Now, I'm still, I believe, meeting people to understand their world and see the 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 realness of their realness, right? Yeah. But I'm probably compared to a few years ago, um, more direct, less concession. Yeah. And I've, I've noticed that in myself and I'm like, okay, well, that's interesting. Why is that? And I think, it, and you know, I never try and work it out in my head. It's just what comes out of my mouth. But I think the clearer you see it as the coach, the, the, the less exceptions you see to this and there aren't any ever, ever. So yeah when you're doing what you're describing as zooming out or sorry, well, when you're zooming in, I'm still zoomed out, but I'm zooming in for that moment rather than being partially yeah. zoomed in myself, I suppose. Yeah. And, and you're, and you're zooming in for the, um, I think for the point of just connecting with that yeah. person from, for where they are, from you're jumping into their perspective, but you're not jumping in with both feet because you mm. doesn't make sense to you anymore. Mm. But I think there's, and when I listen back to the things I used to write or say, or listen to some other, you know, uh, fellow coaches, I sometimes think to myself, are we offering too many concessions, right? Because we're saying, hey, we're all spiritual and psychology is a temporary process or activity. And then you hear how we then coach someone and you're like, well, those two things don't add up. Yeah, I know. I think about this a lot too. Do you? I really do. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. So what do you, oh, I mean, we could talk about what we, what we think and what feels helpful. And at the same time, I really hear what you're saying when you say, I don't get in my head and try to figure it out. So, so me too. Like it's a, it's something I feel like I've sort of observed. I have a little bit of an antenna up for it. I see it happening, but it's not like I, I would in the, you too, I'm thinking like, it's not like we're trying to be any one way or another. It's just interesting. It's just something to be curious about. Yeah. Um, but I do think about that. Yes. Like, like, is it, yeah. Are we offering too many concessions? Um, I, I think it's a, 
a moment to moment gut based wisdom based choice it's not really a choice but like it's just led by what makes sense in that moment so maybe in a way we can't be having too many concessions yet at the same time we've both seen a change in ourselves over the years so clearly something is evolving or changing kind of on our end too um i don't know i don't know it's very interesting because i either we would try and work it all out and contrive every sentence we say to our clients which we're not doing i mean i'm far too lazy for that so you just turn up and see what comes out of your mouth when you get in a great space with someone. So the thing that's changing must be um, what we're seeing, right? Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, when you were writing your most recent book, I'm assuming the words that were flying off the keyboard that landed on the page were just the ones that felt right for you. Now, if you compare that to what was flying off your keyboard three, four, five, six years ago, how come yeah. these words were more less concession, more direct, you know, more spiritual, right? Because that's just how you see it now. Yeah. Right. And that's what you think is useful to point to people now. And when you read it back, you probably, I don't know, you might get in your head and go, well, should I say that? Should I not? I don't know whether you do that or not. But (laughs) um, it, and and so I suppose I'm, I'm curious when I was reading your book, how deliberate that was or whether it just sort of, this is what feels right to write right now. Um. More of the latter, for sure. No. Like, this is what feels right to write right now. Um, but but it's on my mind. It's on my mind. Like, is this too vague? Is this too big and out there? Because it's very, I just feel like it's so important to be practical enough to be heard. And yeah. maybe that's a concession. Yes. Well, <laughs> maybe that, you know, because my definition of practical and my ideas of what someone can hear, that's just how it looks to me. So that could seriously just be where I am right now. Like, you know, I, I think it's it's such an interesting blend of the conceptual mind and our learned recognition of our conditioning and something more deeper, if you like. Um, and it's it's when those two play nicely that we can really uh, someone can really hear what we're saying, right? Because it, it's in a language or a metaphor or a story that rings true to them. And and, and what I quite like about podcasting is you you don't get a chance to think about it too much. Um, you know, it's just coming out of our mouths right now and you never quite know what's landing for people, right? So is it the really deep spiritual bits that land or is it the bits that are a bit more concessional and who knows and what they're hearing behind that? Um, so another question I had about your book was, did you get, and this is just a small thing, so we can, uh, this might not be relevant, but the title, did you get to, was that? Because the title doesn't fit with the content in my mind. In my mind. This is just Piers' tiny mind, right? Oh, Pierce. Yes. <laughs> okay. So the, there's a whole saga about the title. I actually okay. recorded a podcast about the title, which oh. will be out soon. Because, oh, right. And it's so funny to me and so makes perfect sense to me that you're picking up on this. Because um, I absolutely hated the title. I said, there is abs- There is no way this will be the title of my book for several reasons. One, it just is full. It's just, yeah, like knowing the bigger picture of things, there was so many reasons. Like it's not a thought. It's not just a thought. Like I picked apart every word. I threw a total fit. My publishers probably hate me. But um, so, yeah, it and and where I came back to land on that and it still fits in with what we're saying is 
I really let that be a concession. Like right. it was like, this does, this is not capture it. But what someone said to me, because I had many, many conversations about this is, um, or maybe I said it, I can't remember, but in a conversation with someone, we, we arrived at this thing. It's like, well, yeah, but you have to name your children and your children aren't their name. Like you have to put a, you have to just put a word around a, a being that is like your whole life. And you don't walk around saying, oh man, I got that one wrong. This isn't a willow. Like, are you kidding me? It's a word. Of course it's not a willow. It's, it's, that's just a word. And, and this might sound like a bit of a leap, but I mean, I really could see where my publishers were coming from in that title. They were really saying like, it, people will hear this. It's very marketable. It's very short. It's very catchy. And I, and I kept saying, I don't care. That's not what I write about. And at the end of the day, I, I made a giant concession and said, okay, let's get them in the door. Because if I give them the title, I would want to give them. Maybe no one will even read the book. Okay. Well, could you, I, we, we can edit this out afterwards, but what title would you love to give them? <laughs> if the publisher said, you are, your name, Dr. Amy Johnson is so powerful. You could call this bananas and people would read it. What would you want to give it? Okay, so I didn't have a great alternative, which was another part of my right. my my quickness to concede. But um, I, all the theme of this book to me is that's just what minds do. Mm. Now I'm not saying that's a great title, and I, and that definitely doesn't fully capture the depth of what we're talking about in the book or in this conversation either at all. I mean, it's actually not because mm. it's a more about my you know mind is thought to be this more psychological word. Um. But yeah, I mean, I just don't, I don't want a book that's called like who you really are or whatever. I just, that's not where I am on that spectrum right now and where this book was, but that's just what minds do. I want to tell you why, like, because I think we get so bogged down in the psychological side of the spectrum that we can't even like it, that spirituality looks different and that's for other people. And I can't access that. We get so bogged down there because our moment-to-moment -moment mental activity just feels so darn true and real and personal. Mm. So for people to start to see, this is just the process. This is just a process of psychology. Every human is this, is this and much more, but is this, this process of psychology is just part of what we call ourselves and what we experience. That's where I feel like there's so much room for people to see, oh, my mind's off doing this. Well, that's just what minds do. That has nothing to do with who I really am. Yeah. And I, lo I love that the word just is great in that because it's quite a powerful word that because it's yeah. just as in, um, it just happens, right? It just, boom, you, you can't stop it. It's just what happens. And it's just as in, don't worry, it's just what they do, right? Yeah. It's like saying to that the sky, it just rains or it just has clouds, right? We don't have to too worried about them or try and work them out. It's just what the sky does. That's just what weather does. Right. And I think that there's a, there's a, I, I like the, 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 the twist on that because it's sort of saying to people, Hey, yes, you're going to have a noisy mind or you're going to do this and do that. That's not a problem. Right. Right. It's just what right. the, the mind, the personal, what I would call the conceptual mind, the personal mind does. That's not who you are. And that's not what's available for you in the full extent of things. Yeah. Right. So. Yeah, I, 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 well, okay, you don't need my view on the title, but yeah, I, I like. Yeah, what would you have called it? Well, I think so. I, <laughs> now you've explained that, because there are a lot of trite names out there. 
<laughs> for books. We probably know some people who have written them, um, but you know, I understand why. So there's a lot of, you've got to, cause, cause your title, I guess, you know, let's get back into the commercial world. It's got to, it's got to do something. So um, there's no point having your own personal view on it unless your name as an author is so powerful that anyone will read it. So, but I, I think there is some, but I, I would love also to point to maybe to the subtitle about um, a little bit like what we're talking to in this conversation that um, it feels at the moment there's that we're coming towards a, a time where the kind of abstract pedestal that maybe spirituality was on or whatever was on, and I'm using that in the broadest sense of the word, it, it feels like people are ready to see it a little bit more integrated now. So there's something about where the two worlds meet and they never were separate worlds anyway to me, but right. you know what I mean? So it, it's almost like, it's just what minds do. And by the way, we're more than that, it, yeah. you know? <laughs> yeah. um, it, and I think, so if we come back to the relevance of why you and I have made the transition, it isn't just because our own, personal grounding has gone there because that would be fine for us in our own lives. But there's something that we feel is hugely relevant about what we talk to our clients about. Right. So to me, it's always been the case that I want to have the most, I want to share my clients, the most powerful, useful thing I know. Right. And that used to be a load of psychological tools and techniques from NLP. It used to be some positive psychology. It used to be elicit your values and goals. And now it doesn't seem like that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So there's becoming a real relevance for why we need to see this in what's going on. Um, and that's what makes this conversation so powerful. It isn't just because you and I have to see it and love it. It's because it feels like it really moves the needle for people. Yeah. Do you feel like it's as taboo as it was 15, 20 years ago, was it taboo 15, 20 years ago, or was that just where our grounding was and it felt taboo, you know? I don't, I wouldn't say the word taboo. I just think it wasn't that relevant. So for day-to-day -day life. Mm -hmm. So, you know, in business, which I do a lot of my work, it was just, well, why would we be talking about that? I'd be nice to talk about that in the coffee break, but we've got a business to run here and you want to talk about stuff about the mind being more than just the brain. But, but now I think people are going, oh, they're starting to see the relevance. So what has changed? Is that something in the world that's changed that's made it more relevant? Or is it human evolution has changed? Or Well, trouble is I can't see human evolution apart from my own eyes. Uh, that's, that's my one limitation, right? <laughs> <laughs> you can't, I can. No. Oh, right. <laughs> so to me, it looks incredibly relevant now. Um, but I'd say what's happened is that, if I was to guess, that as technology, machines, society has got more and more smart at doing stuff, we're starting to look at what the human being really does well, right? And the machines can't do yet. And one of the things that the human beings do well I, I, I don't just mean loving other human beings. I don't think a machine can do that yet, but it, but in the world of work and that kind of stuff is be beautifully, um, creative to synthesize things into something that is expressed, that moves people to inspire, 
to, to deeply connect. Machines can't do any of that, right? Now, a lot of the cognitive faculties of the human being, the machine can do, right? Add up numbers and, you know, right. make stuff. So therefore the workplace starts to go, well, we really need the humans to be good at X, Y, and Z. How do we enhance that? And how do we stop the things that stop our people being at their best, which is all the other things like stress and anxiety and loneliness and depression. Okay. So, so they see the human as having on its, on a good day, being out, being able to out tech tech, right. On a bad day, being a bit of a useless, expensive resource, <laughs> bringing a machine doesn't have a day off. Right. So how do we get how do we have more? And it feels nice to be in a good space, right? So how do we have more of that? Well, actually, we need to see that they're more than just a bunch of knowledge, knowledge and facts and, and you know, hard drive stuff. There's something else to them. Yeah. So I think there's something. It's so that. interesting. And so I, I, it's so interesting. I mean, just coming from the world you're largely in, doing this in business and workplaces. Yeah, like, like that, it just makes so much sense. And I'm trying to see sort of parallel to that, because I'm sure there are parallels all over the place. I mean, when I think about um, habits, people caught up in habits and anxiety and kind of the the world that I'm in a lot, It, I think it feels like we've just been through this evolution, very similar to the technology evolution, probably, where, where oh, we have all these technologies, let's get all excited about what they can do, what's happening in business world. For maybe the equivalent of that, uh, in my little world was like, oh, we can, we have all these little strategies and the NLPs and all the stuff and let's try to outsmart. Let's just try to be the best computer, the best machine that we as humans can be. And that doesn't work so well when you're trying to be free of an addiction or a habit. It's going to have a very, you know, very limited reach. And so I feel like people have kind of gotten to a point where we're just seeing, okay, what we've been doing forever just is not cutting it. There has to be more. And in a way that sort of opened people to say, to say, fine, show me what's behind science. Show me what's bigger than a strategy or a practice, you know, and it's almost pushed them into what we might call this spiritual realm. Yeah. So part of that, I think what you're saying is, correct me if I'm wrong, is that a lot of people have been trying to solve some of the things that are going on for them using spiritual practices or tools or techniques or psychological strategies and it hasn't worked so they're going what now and then i suppose the question that sits behind that is how come we have all these habits we need to get out of yeah. right how come we're a little bit addicted to stress or anxiety or, or pressure or blah blah blah, blah you know and, and i think that's because in this as society's been evolving, particularly recently, particularly in the West, it's got very um, busy. And I mean, it, in, in terms of what people decide they need to do with their lives and therefore the mind, um, and strivey. So people are always trying to aspire to more and more and more. And in that, they've lost their, they, 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 they've lost their, listening to their own what we would call wisdom or innate balance or well-being or common sense and to cope with that the systems had to put lots of habits in to counterbalance the fact they're off balance yeah. right which is just like what your body does when you when you when you get out of lip you know if, if your ankles are off then your hips have to change so and that's because we've just been too caught up seeking or protecting 
to, to let that balance come back in. Um, and you can see it in the kids. You can see it starting to happen with them. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and so to have this, to have this bigger picture of things, to just see that, I mean, that's, gosh, what a, what a relief that we don't have to now go in yet another layer and try to counterbalance or fix or undo all the things that have come in to try to rebalance things. Do you know what I mean? Like yes. that's what I hear and what you're saying is like, yeah. let's just shove in more and see if that works. And I'm sure there's a lot of parallels in business, right? If the business isn't doing well or someone's something's lacking or whatever, we're like, let's just work harder. Let's just do more. We'll just try more stuff. And sometimes that's helpful to a limited degree. And probably a lot of times it just leads to more confusion and more burnout. And so we try to do more stuff, you know, but what, what a gift that we get this like such bigger perspective on it where we can say, no, that's just all a mind chasing its own tail. Psychology trying to fix itself with more psychology or strategies trying to fix themselves with more strategies. When we can kind of step back and extract ourselves from all of that and just see it in this bigger way. I mean, spot on. I mean, that's absolutely a lovely way of describing it. And you could see that with when COVID kicked off. Right. So, you know, um, well-meaning people and professionals and workplaces spotted that this, that COVID might create fear and anxiety in people. So they could, so, so then they thought, right, well, let's, let's, let's help people with that by giving them all these things they can do. Right. Yeah. To fix that. And, oh yes, people need to adjust to a new way of working and all this kind of stuff. So let's see, if we can help them to fix that. And they never zoomed out, right. In the way that you would use the word. They never went what I would call upstream and that's because they can't see. So now I used to not be able to see, and it's, it sounds like I'm a bit preachy here. I, you know, but no, but, but I, I'm really interested in the question of, and it, as I said at, at the earlier, it's easy when you can see how come people can't see, how come they, that when they zoom out, they only go kind of halfway if that, right. Yeah. What stops people being able to see that what they're doing is just adding to the merry-go-round rather than zooming out. Yeah. I mean, like we said earlier, a lot of conditioning, but even then people see through their conditioning eventually, mm. like people can see around conditioning. So I don't know. I think there's probably a lot of ways we could, we could look at this, but I, I, one thing I see a lot just on an individual basis is like a willingness. Hey, I don't know the, I hate words now, but like kind of a willingness to just be dead wrong, mm. to be wrong, a willingness for it not to be like going from A to B, but going to a completely different plane altogether. You know, we want to better things or change things on the same plane. And what you and I are talking about here is a totally different plane. It's not on that line anymore. Yeah, I, I, I think there's definitely something in that, in the self-mind doesn't have the okayness to be, yeah. wow, I got it wrong for decades, yeah. right? We, we don't, we're not brought up with much intellectual humility, I think, and we've strived hard. So to then give all that up and to realize, oh, it wasn't that that was making me what I am when I'm in my good moments, it, yeah. it seems, it, so when I work with people, right? you know, especially in business, you can talk about this and they'll kind of nod. 
right? They're not along. And it's a bit more than a nod. It's like a, huh, yeah, well, there could be something in that. And that you can see they start to resonate. And then what's really interesting is that when the rubber hits the road, and then you maybe start the first couple of sessions, you talk to them again, you say, well, what's been happening? And they, they, they say, oh, yeah, I really enjoyed that. And then they'll start talking about their problems. You're like, whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah. Yeah, you're not seeing what we talked about in those problems. And, they were, and, and they're almost like, oh, yeah, well, I didn't want to take it there yet because that's real stuff I need to sort out, right? Right. <laughs> so yeah. I, don't, I don't want to, oh, you mean actually, actually, actually see this rather than just play at the edges because it feels like there's too much at stake. I think they think people think there's too much at stake to actually yeah. play with this. Well, where we've been looking forever, we've convinced ourselves that it's safe. And like you said, it's it's kept us going and it's been our, our you know, it's safe and it's familiar. So I think, yes, for sure, we can. I just think that's kind of part of the process a lot, you know, as we kind of just see it on the periphery. But we're not, we don't feel comfortable to dive in and really see it until we do, maybe. Hmm. And what's our reluctance, I guess? Uh, <laughs> I mean, so this isn't like the answer, but it's just what occurs to me is, is um, still feeling really hooked in to that mm. psychological stuff. That's mm. why when we can see, listen, that's just what minds do. Literally every time we're afraid or we feel separate, or we feel less than, that is a psychological process playing out. That has nothing to do with truth or reality. Mm. So I think it's just so sticky in all all that psychology. It's very sticky. And it has a great, I can't remember who said this, has a great special effects department, right? Which makes it look sticky and real, right? And we, 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 you know, what kind of idiot would ignore that? I kind of think that the, 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 the right. personal mind would say, um, uh, but yeah, I, I, I think you're, it's just what minds do. As you say, I, I'm liking that line more and more, Amy, you know, <laughs> um, it's seeing that. And do you know what? I was watching the Olympics, um, yesterday and there was a lady who, I think she was Taekwondo or a martial art, and she was meant to be winning her third gold for the, for the, for the UK. And she got knocked out and she said, I was in my, I was in my fear. Right. So she, A, spotted the mind. I thought, good on her. And then she said, it's because my family isn't here and my support group isn't here that they normally are because because of COVID, they're not allowed in. And that's why I'm fearful. Right. And I was like, oh, <laughs> so you, A, spotted the mind. Great. Right. So you realize you could have performed better if it hadn't the mind. And a lot of sports people get that. They know it's the mind. But she just so normally and naturally, right, said, oh, it's because of the, my family not being here, that the person interviewing her went, oh, right, and bought into that. Right. And I was thinking, how long will it be in society until that's caught? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I just thought, wow, you know, everyone's, everyone probably listening at home is going, oh, it must be tough if your family's not there. That's going to create your fear. Right. Right. I just thought. And, and we can't avoid doing that sometimes because the mind will do that. It's just what the minds do. But we can, we can at least point out going, oh, that's just the mind, me thinking it's the family. I'm not going to stop it necessarily if we, unless we insightfully see it. But I just thought that was so fascinating. Just last night I was watching that. I think it's so fascinating to hear and see people say things like that. And I think a lot of times, like the, the former, when she caught her mind, the first part of that, I think sometimes that stuff just comes out of our mouth and we don't even know what it means. 
Mm. So I kind of have this little pet theory that like life is giving us clues constantly, like everything in life is like, look at like, like Nate, like how nature works, like when the waves crash on the shore and go back. I mean, we could literally see the, this, uh, I don't know, this, this process that is life everywhere. And I feel like it's, it's, you know, sometimes we say things that are so incredibly wise and true, but we don't even know that we just said something wise or true. It's because that's who we are. It just kind of slips out. <laughs> it's like it sneaks in amongst our psychology, you know? So I know I wonder about that stuff too. Well, no, I think there's, there's something on that, right? Because I'm sure you and I, and I can think, I can think of a couple of examples now where clients have said something like that. It's, it slipped out and we went, yes, oh my exactly. Gosh, yeah. And then they're like, well, what did I say? Right. And then you try and explain it to them. They're like, no, um, because they, <laughs> they didn't realize what they were saying. W yeah. We've heard it. Um, but, but I suppose, you know, you said about us giving clues or, or sorry, the system giving clues, the biggest clue, and this is, this is Piers and being practical now. The biggest clue listeners is any sensation you are in, yeah. right? The sensation is always telling you what the mind's up to. Right. And we. You know, so she felt fearful, right? That's how she described the sensation she was in as she was in her bout. Now, if she knew that fear was just a bunch of sensations telling her her mind was off, telling her all the narrative about this, that it's because your family's not here, is total bunkum. Yeah. Right? If she'd spotted that clue, she would have carried on fighting and probably won. Or who, who knows what would happen, but that's the clue she didn't spot. Yeah. And that's where I think we get to be as helpful as we can be, is that we we can still, again, have that human to human conversation where we're in concessions and she's saying, oh, I wish my family was here and all of that. But we we know the bigger truth of it. And so we get to just kind of keep, like you said earlier, just drawing those bridges, you know, whereas I think people, because you were saying, uh, and I love wondering about this too. Like how long is it going to be until society wakes up and we don't say things like it was because my family wasn't here anymore. I, I don't know. I think, I think sometimes some people, we, there's, there's this natural evolution toward that. And it probably kind of somewhat, maybe people move toward that naturally, but, but it's so helpful. It has been for me anyway, to have someone there and to be, to be really like kind of you know, hold your feet to the fire and like point it out and, and I don't know, give it some bigger context to where it can start to make sense. And even then it feels like it can take a really long time. It does. You know, I don't know when it was that people stopped saying, well, it didn't rain last week because no one sacrificed the goat. Right. I don't know when that started, stopped happening. Um, but it seems to have stopped happening. Um, but that was an old belief system that's gone. So uh, I think, I think it takes a while. Um, and, and also the one thing though, I find interesting and this is to slightly dilute the power of what we do, how little it can sometimes take from you or I to point someone and they're away. Yeah. And I, I, I did a program of, a, a few weeks ago and there was just this, this one guy and I, you know, I didn't have to do a lot. Not that it matters what I do anyway, but wow, it just needed a nudge and he was a way far beyond what we were talking about, you know? Um, so the fact that it's, it's there and we're just waking it up or whatever the metaphor is, is, is a lovely thing. So one level, it feels really slow. 
Mm-hmm. And at one level, we know it doesn't take much to nudge someone. Right. Right. Which, which, which makes no sense, but also makes perfect sense. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Whenever it's a paradox like that, right? When yeah. it's like, oh, it's both fast and slow. I always think, okay, yeah. that's got to be true then. <laughs> I feel like I should this card sometimes. It makes no sense in total sense. Right. <laughs> yeah. Now, a question just occurred to me, right? Let's say someone's listening to this and they haven't turned off yet. And they're like, if, if a question came into their mind, like, why are you two so convinced that what you're saying is the best thing, right, for society or an individual? Why are you two so convinced? What Kool-Aid are you on? You know, why are we like this? Why do we see this the way we do? I mean, I don't know. I'm, I'm curious to hear your answer to that, but... I have no clue what the end of the road is. If there is, I'm sure there is no end of the road. So again, as we were saying earlier, it feels like we've just been on a little bit of a journey that hopefully we're at this still at like step one of, (laughs) you know, so like, you know, I'm positive that you could ask me five years from now, five months from now, and this probably all will sound, you know, very different. Uh, But like all we have to go on, I suppose, is just, it's just, how things look and feel to us. And that's, uh, that's all I have. Like I just, just seeing things in this bigger way. I just, it's hard to even describe the, the sense of freedom that comes from that, that, that comes along with that. And that doesn't mean what a mind will want that to mean. For, you know, it does not mean no more suffering. It doesn't even mean no more habits. It doesn't mean no more conflict. It's it's bigger than that. It's again, it almost feels like it's on a different plane. It's like the psychology can still be doing what it needs to do. The Amy character can still be doing what she needs to do. But there's another plane from which we can kind of see that. And it and it just, it extracts us from the middle of all that stickiness in a sense. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. Well, firstly, I think you're right on, on, on the end point. Cause to me, you know, we're always halfway up an infinite ladder, which I love because I used to try and get to the top of the ladder. And then when I realize it's infinite, I stop having to strive. Right. Um, and I'm always, but there's always more to see. And then the second point I think is, you know, so w- why are we so convinced that it's right? Well, I would say it a little bit like you did. I'd say the way I'd answer that question is if I think about how, and none of my clients, but I can, I'll speak for me, how life looks and feels to me now compared to how it has done before, this looks very obviously the right direction, right? Yeah. So simple. So at a very down-to-earth, day-to-day, practical level, does, do, does, is it, you know, do we get more appreciation, fulfillment, enrichment, um, joy out of life? Yes. Is that because I'm you know, doing amazing things every day, like going up Mount Everest. No, my life's probably even duller at one level, you know, from the outside perspective, right. <laughs> you know, not, not doing a lot, um, apart from these beautiful conversations, of course, but, but just the, the, the pleasure of being alive and enjoying just existing is way higher than it used to. Yeah. So whilst that carries on being the case and there's still the ups and downs, of course, but I don't mind them so much. That points to me is why this has to be the right direction. Yeah, me too. I don't know what else there could be. Like what what could be a different or better pointer than that, you know? And yeah, and I think that also speaks to kind of what what we're saying in terms of 
being helpful rather than trying to nail down the truth or being yeah. right. You know, as people that both are trained as coaches and just to be helpers, that's what we're in this for. So, I mean, I'll speak for myself and I think it's true for you too. Like, I don't want to be a philosopher and I don't want to just sit around and, and speculate on what's true about life. Like I want to help somebody. So if that means making those concessions and having a conversation at a certain level, great. And it's just that that's shifted over the years. Yeah, it, it, exactly. So it's what moves the needle most for other people. And that has to come from what's moved the needle for us. Otherwise right. we're just talking rubbish or just reading something in a book and then telling them, um, and that's why what we do can sometimes feel very effortless for us because we're, we're not trying to teach them anything. We're just saying, well, this is how I see it. How do you see it? Um, and it's lovely because the more people that seem to see that, they seem to kind of agree and go, this, is, this does feel better than it did a year ago, right? Yeah. Um, so, and as a society, we can see lots of things that are slightly a little bit off, right? And then from where we look, the zoom now, you can sort of see why. And therefore it becomes, well, actually, I think the more people that saw this, the better. The fact that people can actually hear it quite easily sometimes, again, shows the organic nature of it, yeah. um, which is lovely. And now, again, it can be hard to hear as well, but I think the variable is how preoccupied and stuck someone is in their own not looking how much they put their head in the sand and i think the other reason why you and i are, evol are evolving in our understanding and know we're only halfway the infinite ladder is because we've learned not to take what the mind does that seriously <laughs> yeah so, including yeah. this understanding yeah oh yeah that's a big one it's a big mm. one i got stuck in that for a couple of years thinking this was right yeah you know, I think also the fact that the more we see and the more simple it looks, the more we see that it's always been here all along, that's big. And I didn't have that in psychology. So in psychology, you know, psychology is a very new kind of science and, and everything was like, oh, we're doing it better than the people before and all of that. And I think in this, it's like, I don't know, just the simpler it gets, it's like, you know, like there's that phenomenon of just seeing it and hearing it everywhere. And that, I don't know, that shows me something. It's like, if, it, if you can recognize what we're speaking to in roomy poetry and, you know, stuff that's like, you know, thousands and thousands of years old and every major religion and all of these, like you just recognize the essence of it. I don't know. It just it helps it feel right. Yeah, I, 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 absolutely. And I think that's the case where you can sit and everything, you know, and you, oh, and always for me, you, you then relook at everything that you thought you knew and you look at it through this understanding and you're like, oh, now I get why that was going on. I thought it was going on because of that. So I used to think my NLP tools and techniques or my hypnosis was working for a particular reason it was because I was great at the technique or because that's what people need to move. Now I go, oh no, I could see what was going on. You know, they were recognizing the thinking for what it was. It dropped away and then some personal wisdom came through. So it wasn't to do with my technique at all. <laughs> right? yeah. So, but I could see why it sort of worked. Right. Um, so, so, so another question that might, people might be listening or, or, or pondering over is how do people, if they're a little bit resonating with this, right, but they don't really know why. Right. So they're recognizing maybe that, yeah, there's a lot of psychological noise out there. The psychology might not be the way 
place to focus. They sort of know what we're on about with the spiritual, but don't really. What, what were, are there any, any sort of things that we would point people to start getting curious about to tune into that thing that they're resonating behind all this? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, I always find it interesting that we put so much stock in staring at psychology and doing stuff with it, you know, NLPing it and hypnotizing it mm. away and all of this stuff, manipulating it. And yet it, it goes away by itself. Yeah. If we really look, it changes by itself. I mean, I remember hearing that even in, even in studies in like traditional psychology that, that uh, groups, control groups that, that didn't have therapy for things like depression and anxiety. When you follow up with those people, you know, 10, 15 years later, the therapy group isn't that much better off, if, if any better off, then like people get better on their own. Things change on their own. So that's always curious to me, you know, like, and that's an interesting place, I think, for people to look. Like, if it looks like we need to jump in and manipulate everything, well, what happens when you can't? What happens when you get distracted and things just change on their own? Like, it, it points you in a different place than to what's always moving. Mm. Yeah, yeah. The fact that's going on, and I think part of that, and that seems to happen more when either on purpose or just because it happens, we, we don't take things at face value. So w w when we know that things aren't really as they appear, yeah. right? So the world may be appearing to do something to us or for us, right? Now, if we can just know that's going on, you know, not deny the reality of that feeling, sensational perception, but know that's probably not what it is. I, I, I think there's something in that because otherwise we take everything that comes out very literally, <laughs> right? And just to go, oh, well, it might look like that, but it doesn't mean it is that. Right. Yeah. Um, all the stories our mind tells us, if we can give a little, us a little bit of, well, it might be that, but it might not be. Yeah. Rather than be very certain, you know, so, so the content of our reality can look very fixed and certain and permanent and causal to us. Mm. When we go, well, it might be, but it might not be. Even just that little bit of gap space. Yeah. Uh, and, and not just about the comings and goings of our content of our worlds, but also our internal worlds that are the us. Yeah, I agree. I think that's huge. And I think even just the questioning of it, it just automatically, it just feels less solid and grippy. And, and because it's our nature, I believe to just, you know, we are these processes that are always seeing new things. We just, we can just fix our vision on something that we think we know and be kind of blind to the new things. So it's like, it doesn't take much. It takes a little bit of like, what if there's more to it than this? Like you said, and we will start seeing beyond, you know, how things have looked. Yeah, I, I was told something the other day who had a diagnosis for a, some symptoms from their doctor. Um, and I just happened to say, well, what happens if it wasn't that? Yeah. And they were like, what do you mean? Well, how about if the doctor was just doing their best guess? What? And they were like, well, what, I don't have this condition. I said, well, yeah. Because if you were a baby and given a condition by a, uh, a doctor, you don't know as a baby that you've got that condition because you don't conceptualize right? You can't. So you could tell the baby, by the way, you have this and the baby would just stare at you. Right? <laughs> so, and who are the most resilient creatures on the planet? Babies. 
hmm, now, do you think there's something connected in that? Yeah. <laughs> the babies can't self-identify with, in this case, an illness. Yeah. Like, and I think that's the essence of what we're talking about here is that this is another way, great way to kind of define, if not to get back into that, but like to define the difference between psycho- psychology and spirituality, like you mentioned earlier, is is one is full. Psychology is full of concepts and labels and words and spirituality maybe isn't so much. So again, it's just, it's like, it's like what's there beyond our idea of things. Mm. And then the other thing you could do, and this is just a fun thing for people to spot, is in our day-to-day, in our everyday, there are probably likely little tiny mini moments, right? Um, Often that we seek out through an activity like having a cup of tea, because I'm British, so we'd have a cup of tea, right? You know, or, or, or going for a little walk or just sitting, chatting with a friend on the phone or um, even doing a bit of yoga or meditation or sitting, reading a book or whatever it is. There's little moments that we would um, go towards. And what, we're, what are we after in those little moments, right? We're not really after the activity. We're after a sense of something, a little taste, a little experience of no thought or just pre-self. And we're almost seeking those in our day, guised by the activity. Right. And it might be just when you first wake up in the morning for a few seconds, right? And, and we, we, we just gloss over those because that's, you know, but what is happening there in that space before mental activity? You know, what is going on? What are we feeling and touching? Yeah. Yeah, and whatever that is, that's what feels like it doesn't change. Mm. You know, that's like, like what's, because again, if we're going to hang our hat on something, it doesn't make sense to hang your hat on something that's constantly moving and changing, like our psychological experience. But whatever that sense is before psychology, before all of that, I don't know. That's where people can say like, oh, are you the same you that you were when you were two? I mean, look at your life. Nothing is the same as it was when you were, from when you were two. Yet there's a part of us that feels like, yeah, there's some continuity here. There's a lot that's, that hasn't, that's changed, but there's some very vague, indefinable sense of continuity. That's, that's maybe what's there. Yeah. It's so cool. To yeah. And, and the quiz is that sense of continuity we've been totally misinformed about. So I thought the continuity I was experiencing was the peersness. Was you. Yeah. yeah the me. Yeah. Right. Oh yeah. That's the continuity that, that yeah. was there this morning. It'll be there tomorrow. It was there five years ago. Because I knew there was something continuous. I got a sense of something continuous, but it isn't me. Yeah. Right. It's the bit pre me. It's, it's the thing that's aware of the me. Yeah. And I, I and realizing that would like blew my little mind. I was like, oh, right. Because that, as you said, you know, psychology is what comes and goes, right? Spiritual's a bit before. So we've just been misinformed as to what the continuity is. Yeah. I love this conversation. I hope, I hope it's, uh, I hope people can sense, you know, that it's not, it's not one versus the other, that it's just a, it's almost just a different perspective point. It's a different, you know, spirituality is like this, this one energy that that's creating everything. It's it's not, it's not a thing at all. And then all things are kind of created from that. But those things that are created from that aren't different from that. They aren't separate from that. They are that. 
You know, it's like light going through a prism. I mean, it still comes out the other end and takes a shape, but it's still light. So like to think of us like that and and just to see that maybe throughout throughout history, we've just been so focused on the output, you know, what's coming out of that prism rather than the input and what's there before all of that. Yeah, I, I just I just widens it so much, I think. Yeah. And and even even isn't it? You know, I was just listening there, and I some people on the word energy, they would even energy possibly. I mean, there is no right words, but energy can be like chi for people, or you know, like yeah. well, actually, energy is also form. So it's almost free energy, whatever that is. You know, yeah. um, you know, people who work in Reiki and stuff, they would go, "Oh yeah, working with energy." Well, no, that's already formed. So we're going right back to the bit that we can't describe, that we can't. As soon as we put our finger on, it's already become form but there's something there that and, and the reason we we don't we go to the psychology is because it's so tangible oh look there's a thought there's a tree right um and we're saying there's something before that that you can't possibly ever um, conceptualize that's the point of it that's where you got to look mm-hmm. um now if you look at it for your psychology you're trying to you're trying to work out why and conceptualize it and go well what was it capable of? Does it, could it do this? Could it do that? Again, all questions that psychology would ask. And there's something about letting go. And that's how we've been told to critique things, isn't it? From school and, 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 but there's a, there's a bit of us, a different part of us. that doesn't need to know any of that about it. Just has a sense of, yes, that's me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Full stop. Stop asking questions, you know. <laughs> it doesn't have to make sense. It's not going to make no. sense. No. Yeah. It, 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 no, if, if it makes sense, you've probably limited it. And, and therefore, how do you write a book or do a podcast or teach people about that? <laughs> I could ask you the same thing. I don't know. I guess we just, I guess we just talk. We point, you know, well, we, we point and then we say, oh, it's not really what I'm saying, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. Like, like listen to what I'm saying, but don't listen too closely because it's yeah. not really this. And I think w- what we and this, is, and you know, to make to make the point, you know, valid out of that is, you don't need the bit of you that needs to hear it. Not that you need to, but the, but the bit of you that can hear that doesn't need it to make sense. Right. Right. And and yeah. that's the beauty, isn't it? So people can wake up to this and have no articulation of it at all. Yeah. And as soon as they start articulating it, it's like when you get a joke and you laugh your head off and then your friend says, tell me, you tell them the joke and they're like, and, and then you say to them, well, that's not the joke. We well, just right. told me that was the joke. Yeah, I know, but it's not that. That isn't the jokey bit. Well, what is the jokey bit? And you try it again. It's like, no. And then you laugh. Like, so you don't need to understand this at one yeah. level. And I know we see this all the time, right? When someone, it, it, we're kind of conditioned to try to articulate it and as a way to understand more, like if you can start to teach it and talk about it, then you'll really get it. And this is so the opposite of that in many ways. I see so many people scramble to try to put words to it when I think they'd be much better served to just sit and soak it in and not, not understand it. Yeah. And, and I suppose one of those lovely paradoxes that you mentioned earlier is at one level, there's nothing you and I can say or do or point to that will help. Yet, having said all that, you know, for the last 10 years, I point people to this and things change for them. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Now, would that have happened if I hadn't been pointing or you hadn't been pointing? 
possibly, but it seems to be definitely a correlation with if people sit in a room long enough listening to this stuff, something shifts. So there is, there is a point of why we do our job. Yeah. Yeah. And why we write our books and do our podcasts because people seem somehow, despite the words, hear something. Yeah. And thankfully for us, like we seem to get something from it too. You know, we're talking about like how different things look over 10, 15 years. And I I say all the time, like I, I don't go learn about this and study and read books constantly. I'm, I'm busy trying to share it, but I think it's in that trying to share it, which is so impossible to do yet. It's so rewarding to just have these conversations that it almost challenges us in a, in a weird way that challenges isn't a great word, but like it, it opens our mind, you know, when you're trying to describe the indescribable it for, I just feel like there's something that happens in that. And yes, we can't control it. And who the heck knows? Yeah. And I think, you know, I just feel great for every day that this is what we do, right? What, what a job. Um, so to, just because we're probably coming towards the end of time, it, it, put you on the spot here if there was sort of one way to summarize everything we've talked about or one leaving thought for people uh what what would it be from you no geez um you know i think again this is kind of more toward not so much what's true but what's helpful yeah i believe that it's true also but it's like i i love for people to sit with this idea that what if there really are no problems? We just really think there are. So we just, we live in a world of problems and separation and this versus that and labels and concepts. And that's beautiful. Like, let's play in that world. But, but what if, like you said a little bit ago, like, like, but what if that's not real? It's a real experience, but it's not, tr- it's not the truth of things. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that, see, those two questions, you know, they're, they're like, oh, what are these problems with just the mind? And then, well, why would I want to think that? Well, because what we're saying is what the mind does, just the mind is real, but never true. Right. So the more you see that, so the more you start to see that there's something else there. So I, th- I think that, you know, is one thing that I would say about, you know, to sort of sum it all up is, there's more than how things appear. Yeah. And what appear is real, but it's not true. And there's something else that we can't conceptualize, we can't put to, that's, that's got our backs, that has an, in, an intelligence and a wisdom and a beauty and a love and a freedom to it. But we're just looking in the wrong place, i.e. psychology. If we stop doing that, allow us to look somewhere else, the homing beacon of that will find it. So it's, it's almost just... Take your attention and rigorous dwelling focus off the psychology. Yes. That'll create a space. And usually in that space, people start to see what we're on about. Yes. I love that. That's great. So, and my other big top tip would be to read Amy's new book. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Which is coming out when, Amy, I don't know when we're going to be publishing this. When's it coming out? October 1st, it'll be out. October 1st. Uh, and, and are you doing a, a Kindle and an audio and a hard copy or a... Yes. So the, the hard copy and Kindle will definitely be out October 1st. There, there will be an audio I, that might be a little later. Great. Brilliant. Well, the time's fly by. We could, I could do another hour easy, but oh. probably shouldn't. So 
oh, what a beautiful conversation. I don't know what to say, but thank you. Thank you. This is awesome. I love this topic and I love that we could just have this back and forth around it. It's really cool. So listeners, um, really hope that this um, conversation has helped you understand a little bit more about the relevance of this thing that is so foundational to quality of mind, which we, we kind of nicknamed before psychology. And as usual with this, if you've got any questions, comments, or anything resonated, please don't hesitate in reaching out to either myself or Amy. As always, we'd love to hear any feedback, comments, or further questions. So stay curious and happy exploring. If you enjoyed listening to this podcast and want to know more, check out our website at qualityofmind.biz and also feel free to reach out and leave us a review or a comment. Until next time, have fun being curious.